With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast with the Sunshine Boys themselves. Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, joining us from Boston, Tim Williams. I'm your host, Jim Williams. And last night in beautiful Miami... A not quite sellout crowd watched a very entertaining All Star game. Uh, entertaining in so much as the pitchers dominated, but it was fun. And uh, guys, um, surprised at all that uh, they didn't get a sellout last night in Miami. Ira, Joe. Well, Joe knows that uh, the Florida market, as 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 is evidenced by what goes on in uh, in St. Pete most of the year, uh, it's it's such a fickle market. Um, and uh, Jim, along those lines, uh, I guess Manford had a uh, had a news conference maybe on uh, Monday, and mm-hmm. of course talked about expansion and uh, said, you know, hey, we got to get this Oakland and St. Petersburg uh, situation straightened out. Uh, God knows he could have thrown Miami in the mix, except for the fact they got a beautiful new stadium. Right. Uh, but uh, his patience with St. Petersburg is, is off the chart. Uh, mm-hmm. I know he likes Stu Sternberg. Uh, but friendship only goes so far, gentlemen. This is a business. And when the Yankees and uh, Tim's beloved Red Sox don't come to town, there's 11,000 people uh, in the building. Nothing's mm-hmm. going on. No movement going on. And look at, the, look at the Marlins. I mean, they're an okay team. They're not elite. Far from it. Mm-hmm. But they don't draw well, guys. They just don't draw well. And... Uh, what happened to the new stadium bounce? Where Where is it in Miami? So, no, I'm not shocked. Uh, you know, they love their Giancarlo Stanton. But uh, as far as attracting the casual sports fan, Joe, you know the Miami market well. Um, that, that's, a, that's a hard road right there. Well, yeah, I mean, Miami is and always has been a fickle sports market. It's a front-running sports market. It's probably not built uh, for a day-to-day sport like Major League Baseball, even though that there are obviously people down there who love the sport. Witness the World uh, Baseball Classic uh, in, that was played in Miami partly in March. Game sold out. Major League Baseball All-Star Game comes. It doesn't sell out. Uh, the scalper market, uh, there was a report that Tickets were going for 48% below value uh, as, as scalpers were just trying to get rid of these things. You could walk up to the ticket booth yesterday and get a, get a ticket to the All-Star game. Um, so I, I'm going to disagree with you on one, one thing, Ira. I do think if, if that game had been played in Tampa Bay that it would have sold out easily. Uh, I don't think there's any problem about that. and uh, you mentioned that you didn't think anything was going on on the stadium front. Um, I'm going to disagree with you on that, too. Uh, I'm not pretending I have any inside knowledge on this, but what I will say is that you don't 
see the kind of public stance that, a, that the commissioner's taking, uh, saying, you know, Tampa Bay is a good market. They, they have faith in it. Uh, they're going to get the stadium thing worked out unless they know and have, have received assurances from pretty high level uh, sources in the market that, yeah, something is going on. And the fact that it hasn't been in the news doesn't mean that it's not happening. And and I I would not be surprised to hear something definitive on the, on the stadium, at least as far as the, the Rays picking a location. Uh, I think that's that could be coming sooner than you think. Yeah, you've been saying that for five years, Anderson. I'm no, sure. I haven't. No, I haven't. Not even a little bit. Um, but uh, obviously, I, there, there's a couple of plans out there, and one of them I think is colossally dumb, and that would be uh, the one that the, the people of St. Petersburg are putting forth to try to build a new stadium next to the current Tropicana Field. I got news for you folks. It ain't the stadium that is the problem. Yeah, it's a crappy stadium, and you know, I, I hope that I'm the one who can push the plunger on the dynamite, but people don't go to games because of the stadium. You know, they, they yeah, you mentioned the new stadium bounce in Miami, Ira, which lasted like seven minutes, I think. And that's because of the location of the stadium. How many times do we have to say it? It has to be in the center of the marketplace. And as much as the people of St. Pete don't like to hear it here in Tampa Bay, the center of the market is in Tampa and Hillsborough County. Say it after me, it's in Tampa. So it's got to happen as close to the center of the market for the Rays to have a chance to be successful. And, and I'll, I'll close this rant on this point. People doubt location matters. They say, well, you know, the people in Tampa ought to come on over to St. Pete to watch the games. You know, the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team in downtown Tampa has a higher average attendance in Florida than the Tampa Bay Rays do. So the, the Lightning sell out the building at Amelie Arena, and if you put the stadium where it belongs, the center where people can get to it, you will see a significant spike in Rays attendance. I will take that to my grave. Well, hopefully that'll be a long time from now. Hopefully, but and hopefully they'll have the stadium resolved by then too. But um, it's, it just seems so simple. Uh, it's so logical. I can't imagine why it should be taking this long to get this done. But it has. It, it really is amazing because you hear it outside of, with all the people that don't know much about the Tampa Bay area geographically, you do hear a lot of, well, this just proves Tampa Bay can't support baseball. And I try and tell people all the time, Tampa Bay as a market has never really had a full proper chance to support a major league baseball team because the population center is Tampa and that's coming from a St. Pete native. I love St. Pete, but that doesn't mean it can support a baseball stadium. There just aren't enough people that can get there, especially on a weeknight. And being in St. Pete, of course, basically eliminates the possibility from people coming over from Orlando to watch a game 
Whereas in Tampa, you get a few of those people, and the Lightning draw a few of them, and the Bucks have always drawn a few of them, as the Magic draws some fans from the Tampa area occasionally. They need to move to Tampa, and until they do that, I don't think Tampa Bay as a market's really had a chance to support a Major League Baseball team the way that most other markets have. Ira, one Tampa. last quick thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Who no, was I was just speaking? Uh, that was me. Go ahead. Sitting over here. My, I'm about to renew my rant. Okay. Tim, you you make you just made uh, the commissioner's argument for Tampa having a chance to solve this stadium dilemma. You just hit it on the head. You know the the market this from the get go with the all the way back to the Devil Rays. You know this thing was mismanaged. Um, there was just the expectation that all they had to do was open the doors and people would come flocking in. Well, if you live down here, you understand that on a weeknight to go to a game in St. Petersburg, if you live in, in Tampa or the either the uh, eastern or the northern suburbs, requires a major commitment of time. And in this era of high-def television and you know man caves and all that good stuff, people are just saying, I'll catch them on the weekend unless I'm going to the beach. And so TV ratings actually are in about the middle of, of the pack for baseball. I think the last time I checked, the Rays ranked uh, 14th, which is not overwhelming, but still not bad. It's about where the, the market is nationally. And back on Miami for a second, TV ratings there are pretty much at the bottom of MLB because people just are, have tuned out on them. So think in the long, long term, the Tampa Bay market is going to be okay, and Miami is what it is. Ira, just to uh, make your point on the bounce, uh, the stadium opened in 2012. They, uh, you know, as we said, um, the uh, a sellout there is a little north of 38,000 um, for the stadium, and uh, they average 27,000, which isn't even 90% capacity, which is kind of odd. Uh, the following year, uh, they dropped down to 21,000. So I don't know that there ever was a bounce. No. Uh, Jim, one more point I want to make. Uh, sure. I'd like to hear uh, there are other guys weigh in on this. But one thing that struck me last night, um, Now, grow, I grew up in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And... I don't want to sound chauvinistic here, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, Major League Baseball in the 60s was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, the stars, the Mays Air and Clemente outfield, Frank Robinson can't even get in the start in the All-Star game when he was in the National League because these three guys are ahead of him. The pitching, of course, Colfax, Marischal, Gibson, Drysdale. Uh, that's my time. And what struck me last night when they had that uh, nice special uh, function for the Latin players, mm -hmm. uh, and of course my, my man Marischal was out there, center stage. Mm -hmm. uh, guys, if you remember, and Tim's too young, but in the 60s, the National League owned the All-Star game. Owned it. Yeah. Uh, just beat, beat the AL to a pulp. They had better players. They had Latin players. They mm -hmm. had black players. Mm -hmm. They had better players. It was embarrassing. 
Mm-hmm. And as the years have gone on, that has evened out. Looks like the American League uh, might have the upper hand now, uh, mm-hmm. maybe in the last five or ten years. But uh, seeing those Latin players out there, the Tony Perez's, the right. Marichals, um, Clemente, of course, uh, mm-hmm. reminds me of a time when there was a tremendous imbalance, I thought, between the two leagues. Uh, and uh, those days seem to be gone. I think that's a good thing. Joe's Tony Perez was there as well. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And and I always uh, date the demise of the big red machine to the day they traded uh, Dick Wagner, traded Tony Perez uh, for Woody Fryman. But um, <laughs> the proverbial the ham sandwich. <laughs> But, Joe, uh, uh, Joe, what do you what do you, what do you think? What do you think of baseball in the '60s with with the stars there? Well, it was I agree with the points you made, Ira, and I'll add one more. The average baseball game took about two hours to play. Then there wasn't all of the the drawn out at bats and things like that that you see today. Uh, hitters came in, got in the batter's box, pitcher got the ball through it. Uh, it was a crisp game world series games you can look it up on uh, baseballreference.com look at the box scores of of the world series games back in then hour 58 minutes two hours two minutes things like that so yeah we could afford to catch a ball game because it wasn't an all-day investment of time and now you know when you the yankees and red sox man you better pack a lunch for that bad boy because it's you're going to be there for a while and uh, i think it was uh, joe west who umpired uh, behind home plate last night who several years ago much to the chagrin of uh, joe torrey and the yankees and the red sox and even joe madden got got upset by it was complaining about how long uh, it took for those two teams to play a game and you know, all the purists reacted with horror, but doggone it, he was right. Speed it up, you know? No, and part, Joe, part of that was that they weren't running out six and seven relief pitchers, Jim, back then, because the starter mm-hmm. uh, was going eight innings or, or, you know, a complete game was not a rarity back right. then, Jim. No question about it. Sure. Yeah, there were Even entire tomorrow. For all intents and purposes, there are entire positions in the bullpen that didn't exist then that exist now. The left-handed one-out guy, for example, and all the situational relievers, really the closer was just becoming a thing about that time. So it's really, you can you can really cut a lot of time out of the game by getting people to throw pitches quicker, getting people to not take timeouts in the batter's box as often as they do but there's a limit because of these new positions because from about the seventh inning on games are just going to slow down and it's hard to say you can limit the amount of relief pitchers in a game because that takes away some valid strategies but you're right people are starting to get tired of how long baseball games are going and that just makes it a real tricky situation for the sport because there are some factors that they really can't get rid of now that have made games longer as well as some things they can, and that will be incremental, like these intentional walks that save maybe 17 seconds per game right. cutting out the intentional walk. And that's the kind of battle that Rob Manfred has to fight now. Is 
these games are too long, but there are only so many things you can do to make them shorter, and they're usually incremental. I've got a suggestion for how you could make it, in my opinion, significantly shorter uh, within the parameters that you're talking about, Tim. Why is it that every time you bring in a relief pitcher, that they have that they take this full complement of warm-up pitches out there on the mound while everybody else is standing around with, with their hands on their hips? And I know everybody's going to say, well, they got to get used to the mound and blah, blah, blah. I know all that argument. But here's the thing. If you bring a, a player in basketball, does he get to take a few practice jump shots before he, before he plays? No. It's, get in there. Let's go. If, if your quarterback gets hurt, do you, do you bring in uh, his replacement and say, well, let, let him throw five or six passes out there to, to uh, Mike Evans to get warmed up? No. Game on. Let's go. And if you brought these guys in, they're already warmed up. They're ready to go. If you insist on giving them warm-up tosses, limit it to three. You know, and let's let's see what we got at that point. If you were to do that, I bet you could trim several minutes off a game when when they're doing all of these these pitching changes that they do. Uh, and that you know that'll go nowhere because again, that's one of those things where the purists will look at me and go, "Oh, you're you're talking sacrilege here," but uh, I'm right. Hey, Jim, one other, right, thing, Jim, uh, one other thing ahead. that struck, ahead, struck me last night besides, uh, you know, that nice segment on, on, on the Latin uh, uh, ball players and their role right. in uh, Major League Baseball is, uh, Jim, when they announced the NL team, not just the mm-hmm. starters, but the whole team, um, sure. uh, what struck me was uh, two guys that weren't there, uh, uh, Anthony Rizzo and, more importantly, right. Chris Bryant. Now, Maybe history is going to prove me wrong, but I said on this show last year, and I'm sticking mm-hmm. to it, that I think Chris Bryant uh, is going to be fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't in Miami last night, and he hasn't, you know, improved off his uh, 2016 season. Uh, I'm stunned that Chris Bryant is not an all-star. Uh, to me, he's got the look of a of a 14-time all-star. Um, and I guess that's part of the problem in Chicago. And I got to tell you, Cub fans are getting very antsy, Jim. Uh, even in that NL Central, if they're in the either, either of the two other divisions, uh, they're buried. Uh, but when when are the Cubs going to get get their act together? I don't know, but I did see them uh, when they were in Washington and <laughs> both Arietta and um, Lester. They couldn't throw a strike if their life depended on it. Well, I, I'm I'm going to make a, as Ira Kaufman would say, a bold and brash statement. I don't think they are going to get their act together. How's that? I don't think right now that they will beat out Milwaukee for that division title. Now the that division is terrible. Let's just let's just say it. But. I think they're going to have, if they get in, they're going to have to get in as a wild card, and I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, and Ira, you were down here. You remember, everybody talks about the, the Tampa Bay Rays and Joe Madden in 2008. If you remember, 2009 didn't go so good. And when everybody was picking, you know, the Rays were the chic choice uh, before the season started to win the World Series. Oh, they got all this great young talent, blah, blah, blah. And the past was prologue. The Rays never got out of their own way. 
they finished well out of the out of the race, and I see the same thing happening with the Cubs. Speaking and of the next race, year they'll, next year they'll yeah. come back and win a hundred games. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, speaking of the race, Tim, uh, are you surprised that uh, you know Boston was playing pretty well going into the trop, and uh, they got dusted off a little bit? The Rays are a good team. They have one to five. They don't have the top starter in the division, obviously. They, they're they struggling at the top of the – although Chris Archer has been fantastic. They have the most consistent rotation in that division. The Red Sox have a good top of the rotation, but then you get to their four and five. They've been starting Drew Smiley the last couple of weeks at the end of their rotation because – until Eduardo Rodriguez gets healthy, and who knows what he'll be when he comes back. They need someone at the back end of their rotation. Well, the Rays don't. They actually have a pretty solid, predictable pitching rotation. And I think, to tie it back to the Cubs a little bit, I think that's really the common theme here, is can you trust your starting pitchers? Chicago right now can't. Tampa Bay can. So I think they're going to stick around in that AL East race this year, I don't think they're going away, and certainly they can mash the ball, and it doesn't take much to get a lead for some decent starters, so they're in great position. I really think that they're going to be around all the way through the end of September. I Does that mean agree. Alex Cobb is off, the, is off the trade block? I think he has to be off the trade block. I don't think there's any way... Unless the Rays come out of the break and lose like 15 in a row, I don't think there's any way that uh, that they could sell the notion of trading Alex Cobb right now. And nor should they. I mean, in fact, what they ought to do, uh, everybody assumes that they won't. But Alex is a is a will be a free agent this this winter. Mm-hmm. I make a pitch to sign him. You know, I mean, I know they have some good uh, talent down in AAA and blah blah blah. But this guy is just a beast and consistent. He's great in the clubhouse. You keep guys like that around. And um, so, no, I don't think Alex Cobb's going anywhere, at least at the trade deadline. And uh, I agree with Tim. I think the Rays are in this thing to stay. I'll tell you guys, uh, in that division, uh, I've been somewhat disappointed um, with – the lack of consistency with both the Toronto Blue Jays and the um, and the Orioles. Uh, the Orioles can't uh, can't get out of their way from a starting pitching standpoint. And my God, you know, go to the bullpen. Um, you you know, you're asking to lose a game. Yeah, I'm looking at Toronto and thinking there might be regime change there because uh, yeah. they're a big disappointment right now, and that that has the look of a of a team that. Uh, is going to have to have a serious uh, day of reckoning, um, you know, before next season. And uh, you got sometimes you got to tear it down to build it back up. And I I can see that happening uh, in Toronto and, for and, sure. Uh, and Joe, to go to Tim's point, uh, neither of those teams, Jim, have uh, have a solid staff. I mean, five guys that are going to keep you in a game and go six innings and give up two runs consistently. Um, they don't have it. Toronto doesn't have it. Baltimore's pitching, you know, obviously, Jim, big disappointment. It's a mess. They can, yeah. They can still mash the ball, but uh, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, but they, I mean, you know, you got, I was kind of surprised. I mean, you didn't see Manny Machado at the, at the All Star game last night. Uh, Scope, you know, 
came through and uh, scored one run in, um, you know, to tie the game. I mean, to take the lead. Um, you know, it's just. Uh, I think the surprise to me is the central uh, division where you've got Kansas City getting back into it. You got Minnesota. You got Cleveland. You got some scrappy teams in that central division of the uh, American League. You know, that's a great point, Jim. Look at Kansas City, Joe. Uh, a month ago, uh, they looked like a sure bet to be sellers at the trade deadline. And they've got mm-hmm. some nice pieces that teams would be interested in. No question about it. Uh, but, Joe, looking at the standings, you know, unless something changes in the next 10 days, um, you can't have a sell-off in Kansas City. Uh, what would you be telling your fans at that point? Well, the Royals do start the second half on a three-game losing streak, so they have cooled off a little bit. But, uh, yeah, the you know, the Royals – uh, done a great job clawing back into the race. And you mentioned the trade deadline, Ira, and I, I think uh, all of us will agree on this. We can't make any judgments on what teams will or won't look like by in September, uh, at least not definitive ones, until we get past the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Because, you you know, will the, will the Cubs – now, the Cubs don't have a whole lot uh, in their minor league system to trade right now to get the kind of pitching that they need. Um, so I don't know, they may be stuck, um, uh, with, with the, uh, staff that they've got, but what does Boston do? Um, do they, you, you, you mentioned, uh, the back end of the rotation, they're going to be serviceable guys that are available. And, you know, all it takes is, as we all know, is the right deadline deal and you can catch fire and, and go ahead and, and work your way into the playoffs in September. So. You know, I would, I would say let's just hold off until we get past uh, the deadline, and then, then we'll know for sure what's what. Uh, your Washington Nationals, Jim. Yeah. They, they got to get. They have got to get a closer. They have no, to do it. No, believe me, I'm, I'm fully aware of that at this point. The, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Captain you, Obvious. Yes. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> As, as F.P. Santangelo goes, yes, that's coming from the guy wearing the makeup and the tie. Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, I, I think, you know, and you guys know this as well as I do. You're listening, of course, to the Sunshine Boys with Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, Tim Williams, and I'm Jim Williams. See, um, it really is going to – if you've got pitchers, right, mm-hmm. there are going to be some guys. I bet you there's uh, – I've heard Hugh Darvish. I've heard, um, you know, we know Hellickson. We know four or five guys that are big-name guys that could help a lot. But it really boils down to are you going to be able to eat that contract? And that's what, you know, that's going to be the difference between who can, um, you know, who can add that that starting pitching. Um, and, it, you know, obviously relief pitching as well. But the starting pitching – uh, I also heard Sonny Gray, uh, who I think is uh, would be a steal for somebody out of Oakland. Uh, but, you know, and he's manageable, too. I mean, he's got a manageable thing. That's going to be a lot of um, – that's where you're going to have to part with pieces Pains because Billy Bean doesn't gentleman. have the big contract. Go uh, ahead. Jim, it, it, it pains me, Jim. pains me yeah. to say it. But uh, not only wouldn't I be surprised, I think it's a likelihood that uh, one of the guys that's going to be available 
and mm-hmm. snatched up is uh, Henderson's uh, old reliable, Johnny Cueto. Uh, the Giants are buried. They're going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Cueto's got an opt-out on his contract uh, after this season. He's already stated he wants to go to the American League. I don't know why, but he does. And, uh, Tim, I, I think the Red Sox could find the spot at the back end of their rotation for Johnny Cueto. He's uh, got postseason experience. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a giant uh, come uh, August, and I think where he goes, uh, he, he could be a difference maker. He could be. It, it's funny you bring up Boston in relation to Johnny Cueto. When he was a free agent a couple of years ago and they signed David Price instead of Cueto, it was a bit surprising because after that season where he had come off the World Series in Kansas City, Johnny Cueto couldn't stop talking about how he idolized Pedro Martinez and couldn't wait to work with him. And that led people to believe maybe he wanted to come to Boston since Pedro Martinez works for the Red Sox these days. If that's a possibility again, he would be thrilled to come to Boston. And given all the stuff we've that has been said in this town about David Price this year and how he's not fit for the city which I'm not sure that's really true. But if that's the case, then Johnny Cueto becomes a very attractive option. But I really don't know if the Red Sox will be looking for starting pitching because I think they can get a lot of their problems solved, or at least they have to wait and see what Eduardo Rodriguez has left this season. Because if he comes back from his injury and he's fine, they don't really have a lot in the way of prospects anymore. They've had Dave Dombrowski as their GM for a year and a half, that's about enough time for him to have depleted what was once one of the best farm systems in baseball. Now that's one of the best farm systems all over baseball because Yoan Moncada is now in Chicago with Michael Kopech. Um, the Padres have Anderson Espinosa, one of the best pitching prospects from the Red Sox organization last year. And if the Royals don't stay hot, they could end up trading what left of their farm system from Mike Moustakis. That's certainly a popular opinion around here. So I don't know if they could go get a Cueto, even though it would be a lot of salary eating and he's near an opt-out year. I think the Giants would ask for more than Dombrowski would even have to offer at this point. You know, Ira, um, I know you're aware of this, but I think it bears uh, repeating your Giants are 27 games out at the break. What? There is there any reason to bring that up, Henderson? Is there any <laughs> real reason? Just to get that comment from you. But uh, the, the real thing about that division is you could conceivably have two teams in the NL West win 100 games this year. The Dodgers almost certainly. They got 61 already. Arizona. And, and I mean, and Colorado's right there, too. Um, that is a, a very top-heavy division. You've got three teams in there that if you pointed a finger right now and said at either one of those three teams, the Dodgers, Diamondbacks, or Rockies, and said they're going to be in the World Series, I wouldn't be prepared to argue with you. I have a quick question for you guys. Um, Zach Greinke. Fine pitcher, no question about it. 
is he one of these guys that you think is in it more for the money than for the game? Because obviously, had he taken a little bit less money and stayed in Los Angeles and been, you know, like the number two uh, to uh, Kershaw, that would, you know, that Dodger thing might have been really amazing. But I, I, I tend to believe that that he's more of a diva. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, wants this. He wants to be the number one pitcher on any staff he's on, and he can't handle the fact that he's not in Los Angeles, or wasn't in I Los Angeles. I think there's a little bit of truth to that, Jim. I do. And uh, and let's quickly point out, he, he was a major disappointment last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons that Arizona fell short. Um, now, he's looking a lot like the Zach Greinke we remember with the Dodgers when he was number two to Kershaw, and a heck of a number mm-hmm. two. Um, and that's a big reason... Uh, why, uh, as Joe points out, uh, Diamondbacks uh, in position maybe to win 95 uh, games this year. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Joe Buck, who I'm not a great fan of, um, or, or I think it was Smoltz last night, made a great point about Goldschmidt. Um, yeah. nobody, ever talk, nobody ever talks about this guy. Nobody. Um, first of all, he's not a big lumbering first baseman. He's, he's very adept with the glove. Uh, mm-hmm. But more, import, more importantly, w- what a hitter. What a hitter. Um, yep. And uh, I think if he was playing in, 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 in a bigger market, you'd hear a lot more about Paul Goldschmidt. And he steals yeah, bases, yeah. too. When was the last time you saw a first baseman that was capable of stealing a base? Absolutely. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Ortiz? Uh. <laughs> yeah, he did a couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, on Zach Greinke, I I would like to point out that in 2006 – he was diagnosed with a social anxiety disorder and a lot's been made of that. And certainly I'm not a, I, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you much about that, but I would say that I wonder if that had anything to do with him being, not wanting to stay in Los Angeles. Maybe that has something to do with it as well. It's hard. There's a lot of mind reading that goes into these things and that's, at times it's unfortunate because there's a lot of putting words in people's mouths, but it is, it is worth wondering what that rotation would look like in LA with him in it. And he's been so inconsistent. Who knows what it would look like with him in it as well, because we really don't know what Zach Grinky were getting from year to year. He had an awful start to the year last year, but now he's back to his old self and it's got the diamondbacks back in contention. That is, you know, the phrase East Coast bias gets thrown around a lot in baseball, and I think if there's one year to pay attention to the West, if you're up late and you're watching those 10 p.m. games, the NL West is the most entertaining division in baseball, and that's coming from someone who's spent my entire life following AL East teams. Well, that's true, Tim. Uh, I think the most entertaining team in baseball uh, is the Houston Astros. Um, well-represented last night in Miami, well-represented. Um, did I hear this right, gentlemen? George Springer has nine leadoff homers this yeah. year? Is that, is that possible? Yeah. Um, that, that's outrageous. I mean, that's Ricky Henderson. You can't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but course, George Springer doesn't speak of himself in the third person. <laughs> uh, Altuve is uh, incredible. I mean, the guy's fantastic. Uh, what a what a hitter, uh, and not just a singles hitter as a second baseman. Uh, and Correa, we know, you know, 
could turn out to be uh, a little mini version of Derek Jeter, uh, you know, in the, for the next 12 years. Uh, not as good, but but damn good. Uh, Joe, you, you gotta you gotta be believing in the Astros, and and who knows, they might swing a deal in the next uh, two weeks to uh, solidify their chances. Well, yeah, and and everything you say about the Astros is true, but I'm going to inject a moment of pause on them. Can you agree with me on one point today, Henderson? <laughs> one? Probably, probably not. But um, the well, I do agree with you about your Giants. But anyway, the um, the Astros' phenomenal record, you know, on cruise control of the playoffs already, and 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 all of that. But they play in an absolutely wretched division. They really do. And they're, they're 16 and a half games ahead of the second place team, which also happens to be. So you have the Astros sitting there blowing, you know, blowing the division away. The other four teams in the division are, are underwater. So how, how good do we really know the Astros are? The Dodgers, to me right now, are more impressive because they're doing it in a in a division with the Diamondbacks and Rockies. And the you know is can the Astros turn it on when uh, when October gets here? Uh, I don't know, but uh, they have a very good road record, Joe. That's got to mean something. Very well, good yeah, on the road. And they but here here's uh, a point for you to ponder, Ira. Uh, yes, the Astros have a great road record. They also have a 162-plus run differential. They've scored that many more runs than than their opposition. You say to me, Joe, that's unbelievable. Yeah, Joe, well, that's Dodgers, unbelievable. Thank you. Um, the Dodgers have a 163-run differential. So, and, and again, against arguably tougher opposition. So. Um, love the Astros, you know, uh, could could see them in the World Series, but there is that moment of pause that we have to uh, consider when looking at that team. And to and to Joe's point, I don't trust a team that has no way of knowing what its flaws are, and I think the Astros are currently a team like that. They're a fantastic team. When I ranked all the teams based on entertainment, they came out number one for me as well. Thank you, Mr. Williams. Thank you. But the the issue is that really they they haven't faced any adversity, and they're not going to face any adversity this year. They've already won their division. Um, you know, the Angels could make a push for a wild card. There's no way they're going to get back in that division race. And a push for the wild card would be quite a, a leap. Quite a except they, Yeah, but they have Mike Trout coming back in a couple of weeks. If yeah. they can stay yeah. on the periphery when he comes back, that will be at least the most interesting team with Mike Trout on it we've ever seen, and that will be something worth watching. But that Houston really has no way of knowing what they need other than just kind of guessing based on statistics. That might be a problem when October rolls around. It certainly has happened to teams before where they've been on that cruise control for months, and they have come into October with without any real idea what happens. You know, as Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. I understand, but uh, let's look at the Cubs last year, too, Jim. Uh, Yeah. Cruise control from the All-Star break on in, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and didn't have a lot of uh, playoff experience at that point. No, Um, no. And and, and they did just fine. So, yeah, Tim's right. 
I mean, uh, teams have won 110 games and, uh, you know, uh, not shown up in, in October. But uh, mm-hmm. as of now, Houston's got uh, – they got a heck of an entertaining team. Well, Houston's got a, a fantastically entertaining team and a talented team. And, and I think the only part that would concern me with Houston and has, you know, as someone who did, you know, Astros games back in the 80s, uh, I have a, a fond um, place in my heart for the team and for the city, who's, who's a very good, that's a very good baseball town. Uh, what concerns me about them, even though they're fantastic pitchers, is Keuchel and McCullers and their ability to pitch uh, into October, um, given you know their um, their lack of experience in that aspect. You know, doesn't mean they can't. Um, they can certainly prove me wrong, but that would be my concern. My concern with the Astros would be the you know not getting to the playoffs. They're there already, but once they get into the playoffs and pushing forward, when you've got you really, I mean. Pitching is everything in the playoffs, and and I'm concerned about Keuchel's and McCullers, and um, and how you know you don't learn, you can't you can't blame them because they haven't been there. So you know we'll just see, have to see how that plays out. But um, well, here, here's, go ahead, Joe. Here, here's one other uh, little note. Since I mentioned the uh, run differential uh, for mm-hmm. the Dodgers and Astros. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll credit uh, the ESPN stats and info uh, people with this. The the those numbers represent the fourth and fifth largest differential entering the All Star break in Major League history. And of the previous teams who who exceeded that mark, um, the the everyone made it to the World Series. And one mm-hmm. World Series, so uh, except for the uh, '69 Orioles. So, these teams, the Dodgers and Astros, are for historic seasons, mm-hmm. and uh, that's you know there is a lot to be. Of course, and so were the Seattle Mariners the year they won 116 games and sweet lose team, and, yeah, and didn't uh, didn't quite go. So, you know, it's fun to bat around, but. Uh, you know, I'll stick by my earlier statement that uh, I want to see if the Astros can put their foot on the gas when the time comes. All right, guys. So real quick, uh, who's – we'll start with you, Ryan. Uh Who do you think in each division uh, is going to be the team that improves themselves at the trade deadline? That's a good one, my friend. Uh That'll be a team that really feels uh, they have a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, And along those lines, uh, I'm going to say Arizona. Uh, Because while uh, they may not catch the Dodgers, because the Dodgers are having one of these incredible seasons, uh, they have to solidify their uh, their wild card chances. they seem to be in the driver's seat, but you never know. Uh, I can see Arizona adding a pitcher. Uh, I don't want to keep throwing up Johnny Cueto's name, but hey, if I'm, well, I'm just looking at my Giants, guys. Uh, other than Bumgarner, mm-hmm. he's untouchable. I understand. Oh, yeah. um, you want Samarja, you want Cueto, 
please take Matt Moore off my hands. I don't understand <laughs> that guy. He's got good stuff. and uh, He's got to be a head case, by the way, Matt Moore. He's been terrible, absolutely horrible as, uh, this season. Uh, and that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a travesty for a guy mm-hmm. that's got good stuff. Anyway, I'm going with Arizona because uh, I think uh, Joe says the NL West is the place to, to watch. I think he's right. Um, and they need to make the playoffs this season with Grinky pitching like this. So uh, I think the Diamondbacks make a move. Would the Giants make a trade in the division? Yes, absolutely. Okay. As long as this team is give, a team is given up viable prospects. And Tim says the Red Sox are a little short in that area. I take Tim's word for it. He knows Boston in and out. Um, but Arizona's prospects, they they got to have a couple. And the Giants need to pry one or two away from them. What you got, Tim? I'll tell you, if there's one team that needs to make a move or they're not going to make the playoffs, it's the New York Yankees. Look at their pitching rotation. They're getting a great year out of Luis Severino. He's also hit his career innings high already this season, and it's already the all-star break. They're going to need either Tanaka to turn it around, and he's had a pretty miserable season, Pineda to really find another gear, or CC Sabathia to turn back the clock close to 10 years. So they're going to need pitching almost as much as any contender, because it just looks like sooner or later it's going to be tough to throw Severino out there every fifth day when he hasn't pitched that many innings in his career. They're in, but they have a wealth of prospects. They, you know, Brian Cashman's come out and said they're committed to keeping those prospects, but they're New York Yankees and they're above 500. They're in contention. It's hard for me to see them not at least kicking the tires on a starting pitcher or maybe even two, because if you look at their rotation, it just seems to pretend that, they're not going to be contenders for very long in a division where the top team right now has Chris Sale, David Price, and last year's Cy Young winner, and the Rays have that consistent rotation breathing down the Yankees' neck tied with them for second place. If New York's going to make the playoffs, they need a pitcher, and they have the resources to get it done. In fact, if there's anyone out there who could land Cueto just by making a phone call, it's probably Brian Cashman. Joseph. Well, I think your uh, Washington Nationals are mm-hmm. a team that will absolutely have to make a move to get a closer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's not rocket science. Right. Uh, I look, I look for them to be very active, uh, trying to to plug a big hole, and and to go back to the AL East for a second. You mentioned the Yankees, Tim, and I agree with you on that. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have basically, they're not going to do anything at the trade deadline. We mentioned Alex Cobb earlier. They're not going to trade him. But the Rays have already significantly improved themselves just uh, this month uh, with the acquisition of uh, Hechevarria shortstop from the Marlins. And uh, they've got uh, Wilson Ramos has totally uh, what had been a a uh, position of chronic and long-term need for the Rays at catcher into a strength. So I think the Rays are good to go. You know, Wilson is um, is a phenomenal guy, and uh, I, for one, am very pleased to see that he's doing well. He's a great guy. Um, 
and you know he um you know it's kind of funny when uh when you get a guy like that back and he's ready to rock and roll um you know it's like getting a, somebody at the trade deadline you know absolutely and, is and, and, and the pitchers just rave about him they love him now he's wonderful at um a stat which you know Tim's going to have to help me with because I don't go through stats like this but um pitch framing uh <laughs> um i just been watching baseball for 50 years guys i'm sorry what can i tell you pitch framing okay um evidently uh, <laughs> wilson is among the top 5 in pitch framing um so you know that's good for him I, I, it's just um what wilson ramos does is he calms pitchers down very well he's good behind the plate he's got a solid bat he's always been able to hit the home runs but he began to start to hit for average last year and i think he's starting to embrace that he doesn't strike out as much although he does occasionally you know drive you nuts with striking out with a guy you know 90 feet away but more often than not he'll come through for you so that was i was very pleased to see wilson um bounce back in uh, in tampa bay and and um and Joe, you don't think will they? There's, it's they're unlikely to add anybody. I guess is what I'm asking in this regard. The Rays. Oh, I, I don't believe they will, uh, because uh, in addition to the two guys I mentioned, uh, they also got Brad Boxberger back uh, mm-hmm. as a bridge to uh, the ninth inning to Alex Colomay. Now Colomay is is the human heartburn right now. Uh, he he he's really hit a rough patch. He's your Maylock's um, moment. Yeah, he totally is. And uh, I tweeted out the other day that uh, people uh, better hope Congress can solve the health uh, care situation if we're going to have to watch Column A close games the rest of the year. Um, because, you know, it, it, he is he used to be just like automatic, and now he's a real high-wire act. But, you know, having Brock, Boxberger back there now, that that has really made a difference in that bullpen. And, um Taking three out of four from Boston um, before the break was, I think, a, a great signal by the Rays that uh, that they believe they're in it uh, for the long haul. Hey, Jim, uh, is there yeah, any relief pitcher, uh, Jim, any relief pitcher in particular or group of uh, relievers that have been uh, linked to the Nationals going forward? Uh, I, every, every person who isn't in – first or second place every team that isn't in first or second place pretty much those guys have been uh um have been linked i don't think there's a relief pitcher that hasn't been linked to the nationals and i honestly don't think that there's um a uh, a team they haven't spoken to so uh you know will they get the a guy yes will it be the guy um it better be um and uh a guy who we all know and like, Edwin Jackson, who they picked up, uh, is um, is likely to get an opportunity to start um, because Joe Ross is injured. And um, that'll be interesting to see how Edwin comes back, if he's able to come back. They've even got K-Rod down in the minor leagues. He's on a contract which, uh, by the way, expires in three days. Um, so... They either going to bring him up in three days, or I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, he's going to go out and rush to another team that doesn't want him, I suppose. But he's been in the minor leagues 
uh, plying his trade and seeing how he can do it. So, no, they're they're definitely going out and doing whatever they can. Who they land, I have no idea because literally, uh, there's so many teams out there that they've been talking to, and you know, you guys know as well as I do. If everybody, if you and I and everybody on this podcast knows the Nationals need a a uh, a relief pitcher, as the old saying goes, even Stevie Wonder can see that coming. And um, and I think that they, you know, they're going to get held up, but it doesn't matter. They're going to if they're going to pay the price, whatever the price is, to get what they what they need to get, because that seems to be a piece of the puzzle that um, absolutely has to be uh, uh, put in put to bed there there isn't any question about that who it is i i i it could be any number of nine players that i know of and probably three or four people that i have not even heard of boy speaking of relief pitchers uh two guys then obviously not going to be available but uh boy what what a what seasons for kimbrell tim has been unbelievable and um i'm not sure he's been any better than jansen for the dodgers boy uh you talk about relievers having incredible seasons. I think Jansen's walked one guy, gentlemen, one man this season. Um, struck out about 60. Um, and Tim, am I wrong? But has Kimbrell been uh, fantastic? Oh, Kimbrell's been excellent. It's He's had a great season. Last year he had a very good season, but there were some questions about him in tie games and in non-save situations. But this year he's just been fantastic and basically every appearance he's had. He throws smoke. He has a an intimidating wind-up of sorts where he has that arm hanging out to the side like a hawk. And he's he's been really something for that Red Sox team. And they they really have a few stars that I think have have been making an impact this season. Obviously Chris Sale's getting a lot of credit. And while he didn't have, he's not having the season he had last year. Mookie Betts is coming on strong, and there's a guy that, there's a five-tool player. He's fun to watch. He smiles all the time. When the Red Sox win, he gets together with the other outfielders and dances in the outfield. That's the guy that, if there's a player that you haven't watched and you're hearing this name, and you've only heard it a few times on Sports Center. Watch a Red Sox game and see what Mookie Betts can do. That's that's the guy I would be following for that team for the second half of the season. Because if he heats up, that could be a team poised to make a real deep run in the AL playoffs. And of course, when I'm talking about the AL playoffs, look out for Cleveland. You know, Ira, back in 1971, uh, we went to Pittsburgh to visit my grandmother. And uh, as was the case, um, when we did visit, we would go to Three Rivers Stadium, we'd check out the Pirates game, and we actually happened to be there on uh, September 1st. They were taking on your San Francisco Giants. And on that day, it was the first day that a Major League Baseball team fielded an entire team of color. And that was because... Gene Alley, who was the normal shortstop, took the day off. And Richie Hebner, who was the Pirates' starting third baseman, also took the day off. And Doc Ellis was pitching, so Rennie Stennett led off playing second base. Gene Climes batted second. He played center field. Roberto Clemente was in right field. Willie Stargell was in left. Manny Sanguian was your catcher. Dave Cash at third. Al Oliver at first. 
Jackie Hernandez at shortstop and Doc Ellis on the mound. So that happened to be at that time in 1971. That was 24 years. 24 years, mind you. It took before Major League Baseball fielded an all-black Latino starting lineup after Jackie Robinson officially broke baseball's color barrier. So that was where we were in 1971 on September 1st, and it just happened to be at Three Rivers Stadium. And oh, by the way, yes, they beat the Giants by a score of 9-5. to You know what's really interesting about that is, uh, you know, to close the book on uh, what you saw, which was yeah. historic, um, that team uh, won the world championship. Yep. The 1971 Pirates um, did win it, and um, mm-hmm. that was the Clemente show. Remember, I think it was yeah. against the Orioles. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Clemente put on a show, and right. hard to believe, but some people in the country they didn't know how good Clemente was until right. that World Series, and he he just took it over. So, uh, Jim, you you were there for a little history to, that day. Well, as as Charlie Slows likes to say, remember where you are, so you can remember where you were when something like this happened. So, remembering where we are. Mr. Kaufman, uh, yes. final thoughts and social media. All right. Uh, you can get me on uh, Twitter, at iKaufman76. Um, just a shout-out to um, Wimbledon for a, uh, a match for the ages uh, the other day with uh, Mueller and uh, Nadal. Um, mm-hmm. You beat Nadal in a fifth set, you, you've done something. Nobody digs down deeper than uh, Nadal and mm-hmm. uh what a, what a story. This Mueller guy's 34, gentlemen. Right. 34. Uh, kind of a journeyman. And uh, all of a sudden, he's, uh, he's caught fire uh, at an age when most guys are looking to retire. So um, just, uh, just a nod to Wimbledon for uh, one of those matches that uh, you remember for quite a while. Absolutely. Tim? Well, on the Wimbledon point, there's an American in the semifinals. Just as we were talking, Andy Murray has been upset by Sam Query Wow! in five sets. He moves wow. on to the semifinals. He might play Muller. And if you look at the draw, he has a pretty strong chance to make the Wimbledon final. So it's been a long time. And when we talk about tennis, we talk about the lack of Americans a lot in men's tennis. Well, 24 seed Sam Query is in the semifinals, he might make it to Sunday morning. And if that's the case, you might want to watch that because it might be the last time for a while you see an American on center court on Sunday morning at Wimbledon. And as far as my final thought, I'd also like to say the the tour began yesterday between Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. <laughs> this is absurd to me this whole thing i know boxing has a history of this i know muhammad ali went out to japan to fight a professional wrestler once but that people still take this fight seriously and still say how can conor mcgregor win i have no way of imagining how conor mcgregor who's never boxed professionally in his life is going to beat the most pure defensive boxer than anyone's seen in a very long time it's just the style doesn't set up right. It seems like it's going to be anticlimactic. And if this is what it takes to get boxing back in the mainstream, 
Maybe it really is dying worse than the people who love boxing say it is. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Writes Sports. Joe Henderson, time to close it up, bud. All righty. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at J Henderson Tampa. And um, what I'm going to be watching is a, uh, the Chicago Cubs coming out of the break. They have uh, three against Baltimore, three against Atlanta, three against St. Louis, and four against the White Sox. That's 13 games against teams that they feel they are superior to uh, leading into a uh, end-of-the-month series at the trade deadline or close to it uh, against Milwaukee. So if the Cubs are, are who they say they are, they're going to have to prove it uh, real soon out of the break. And I'll leave you with one quick note. Uh, the next time the Sunshine Boys get together, my son, Ben Henderson, will be a married man. He's getting married in a couple of days to a lovely young lady, and we are thrilled for him. Congrats. Congratulations, Congrats. Uh, Joe. Thank you. Well, that brings to an end yet another edition of Sunshine Boys Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. You know, if you haven't subscribed to us, it's a very simple thing to do. You can do it right here at Blog Talk Radio. You can also do it at the iTunes Store, at Google Play, or at Stitcher, where there's all kinds of fantastic podcasts. So no excuse for you not to be able to subscribe to the Sunshine Boys. We can be delivered to your email address or right to your phone. So you don't have to concern yourself at all. Just click the little subscribe button and bingo, we're all taken care of. Okay? Easy enough. So do it today. Anyway, let's say goodbye for Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys themselves, for Tim Williams who joined us from Boston. And again, I'm your host, Jim Williams. Until next time, join us right here on the Sunshine Boys podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.